Isaiah chapter 66, verse 8. I'm notorious about whatever day it is. I don't matter. If it's Father's Day, I'm preaching on hell. You know, if it's Easter, I'm preaching on baptism. If, you know, I, did, I, I get up, whatever the Lord lays in my heart, that's what I preach. I don't usually uh, try to preach whatever the day it is. And, uh, you know, I'm, this is typical uh, Brother Keegan. Here it is, Mother's Day, and I'm not going to preach a, a message on mothers, you know. That might come two weeks from now, you know. That's just the way I work. That's the way the Lord leads me. But I am going to preach about the motherland. Now, last Sunday I preached on God's chosen people. That's not the Christian, that's the Jew. And uh, he, they're chosen on this earth. And I, I showed you verse after verse where God had chosen them. They were a special people. It says, I'll bless them that bless thee. I'll curse them that curseth thee. And I warned, uh, had a warning message last uh, Sunday that you, if you know a Jew, you better take care of that Jew and be nice to him because God's eyes on him. And he, he's blessed them. And, and I, I showed, I think I proved beyond a shadow of a doubt, they are blessed. And God's not done with the Jew. And we looked at that in the Bible. Now this morning, I want to talk about one of the most important subjects in the Bible, and you wouldn't even know it is. You think, well, the most important subject in the Bible is salvation in Jesus Christ, and that's pretty important. But if you look at the Bible and the, and the weight of Scripture and what God talks about, God talks a whole lot more about this than He does about salvation in Jesus Christ. That might wake you up this morning because it's all about the second coming of Jesus Christ. It's all about His kingdom. It's all about God setting up a kingdom with Jesus Christ being King of kings and Lord of... It's all about Jesus Christ. That's why... My heart got so stirred up when that sister was singing that song about my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It was pointing to Him. It was talking about Him. It was what He's going to do. And that was such a blessing to me. Thank you, sister, for singing that song. But this morning, I want to point to you and, and talk to you about this nation, this nation of Israel. Look at Isaiah chapter 66. Look at verse 8. Who hath heard such a thing? Who hath seen such things? Shall the earth be made to bring forth in one day? Or shall a nation be born at once? For as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. Now friends, that verse you're just reading right there, that's an amazing prophecy about the nation of Israel because the nation of Israel, 70 years ago, till tomorrow will be the 70th year anniversary. May 14th will be the 70 year anniversary from the day that the nation of Israel became a nation at one day. Amen. Born at once. What nation became a nation at once? There's never been one. But 70 years ago today, the, uh, to tomorrow, the nation of Israel was, br was brought into existence by the UN, the United Nations vote. And the United Nations got together and they voted and Israel that wasn't a nation became a nation that very day. Fulfilling this prophecy you see right here in the scripture. You see that? Or shall a nation be born at once? No, they won't be, but it will be one. The nation of Israel. God's chosen people. And this morning I want to talk to you and show you the motherland. The motherland out of scripture. Look at Genesis chapter 12. Now, I'm going to be turning to a lot of Scripture this morning. I hate to tell you, warn you about that. And if you get bored, or I mean, you get wore out, just, I'm going to read everything I turn to. But I'm going to show you something very, very important that you, about your Bible, and about the Word of God. It starts in Genesis chapter 12. It starts in Genesis chapter 12, verse 1. So turn over to Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, and I'm going to show you something about your Bible that starts in Genesis and runs all the way to Revelation. 
It's pretty amazing. It's about the motherland. It's the land of Israel. If you're looking up here on a map, this map I have up here on the wall, that little bitty, little bitty nation right there is Israel, right up in here. You can't hardly see it. I got this board probably in the way. But that nation of Israel sits right there and God's eyes on that land. Look at verse 1. Now, the Lord had said unto Abram, now this is before he was Abraham, he was called Abram, Get thee out of thy country and from thy kindred and from thy father's house unto a land that I will show thee. See, this whole Bible starts out about a piece of dirt. And God's saying, come here, I want to I give you a piece of land. Verse 2, And I will make of thee a great nation. And he did. And I will bless thee. And he has. And make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And he has. Verse 3, And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee shall all families of the earth be blessed. Amen. It has been physically and spiritually, because our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ came from Abraham. Amen. Our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ is a Jew that came from this lineage. That's how all families are blessed by Abraham. Look down at verse 6. And Abraham passed through the land unto the place of Shechem, Sycam, unto the plain of Mork, Mora, excuse me, and the Canaanite was then in the land. And look at verse 7. And the Lord appeared unto Abram and said, Unto thy seed will I give this land. And there, there builded he an altar unto the Lord who appeared unto him. The Lord promises Abraham right there, Unto thy seed will I give this land. This book starts out right here. It's about a land agreement. Of all things, your Bible is basically a land agreement. It's a book deed. It's a title deed. It's a title deed showing you that the Jew owns that piece of dirt. Look at chapter 15. I'm going to show you some more verses. Chapter 15. Verse 18. I mean, we're just going, and this is not all of them. We're just going to skip through some of these. Chapter 15, verse 18. In the same day, the Lord made a covenant. Uh-oh, he's going to make a covenant with Abram. What's a covenant? Saying, unto thy seed have I given this land. Not just to Abram, but to Abram's seed. From the river of Egypt unto the great river, the river Euphrates. God tells him right there in the scripture, this was written 4,000 years ago, my friends. From right about here to the river, from right here all the way to here, God says, I give, this to, I give all this to a Jew. You read it with me, right? And it's not just to Abram, it's to his seed. And it's a covenant. Notice God starts calling it a covenant. A covenant. Look at chapter 16. Look at verse 7. Look at chapter 16. In verse 7, now here's the problem. Abraham has more than one seed. That's the problem. The problem is Abram, Abraham ended up having more, more than one seed. Sarah eventually is going to have Isaac. But before she has Isaac, she's waiting and waiting and waiting. And just like all through the Bible, you have a woman that can't have a baby and then has a miraculous birth. Well, while she's waiting, she gives up on God and she says... Abram, I'm, I'm, I'm barren. I'm not going to have any children, so take my handmaid, Hagar. Now, Hagar's from North Africa. 
Egypt, North Africa. Take my handmaid Hagar, go in with her, have a baby by her, and when she has that baby, it'll be my baby, it'll be ours, and that'll be our child. That way we can carry on your name. She gave up on waiting on God. And if you know anything about the Lord, he's real slow, right? <laughs> he's real slow. So she gave up on waiting, so she says, let's run ahead, just you go, go in with Hagar, and you have a child by Hagar. Well, when she has that child, Hagar has that child, Sarah looks at Hagar, Hagar looks at Sarah, and you know what happens sometimes with that kind of stuff. The woman looks at the other woman, and it's like, Rear! you had a child, and I'm better than you, because I had a child, you can't have a child. Rear! You know, it's, that happens. Verse 7. And the angel of the Lord found her by a fountain of water in the wilderness by the fountain in the way of Shur. So Hagar is cast out by Sarah. Hagar is run off by Sarah. And she runs off, Sarah, uh, Hagar runs off and she's out. the angel of the Lord finds her by this fountain of water. Verse 8, and he said, the angel of the Lord said to Hagar, Sarah's, Sarah's maid, whence camest thou? And whither wilt thou go? And she said, Hagar says, I, I flee from the face of my mistress Sarah. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Return to thy mistress, and submit thyself under her hands. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, I will multiply thy seed exceedingly, that it shall not be numbered for multitude. Notice verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, here's a prophecy. Thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael. Ishmael is one of the children of Abraham. So you have Ishmael the firstborn and then Isaac's going to come along later. Ishmael is the one that Muhammad said he descended from. Now if you don't know who Muhammad is, you had not been around the, uh, America in the last 20 years. Muhammad is the founder of the Muslim religion. And Muhammad claimed he was like the 72nd descendant of Ishmael. So when you have a Muslim come up and a Muslim will say, our father's Abraham. Our father's Abraham. They're right. But their father traced, their father is Abraham. But they trace that lineage, that tree traces back through, that tree traces, that tree traces back uh, through Isaac. I mean through Ishmael, excuse me, Ishmael. So Abraham has two sons. One is Isaac. One is Ishmael. So Muhammad traces his lineage through there. All the way through. So he says, I'm the 72nd descendant of Ishmael. Look at the prophecy in verse 11. And the angel of the Lord said unto her, Behold, thou, shalt, thou art with child, and shalt bear a son, and shalt call his name Ishmael, because the Lord hath heard thy affliction. Verse 12. And he will be a wild man. I got a question for you. When you think of an Arabian or a Muslim, do you think they're a wild man? At least we got some smart people in here that hadn't been listening to the news media. Of course they're wild. Anything happens in there, they pull out guns. They're shooting guns up in the air. They go, they go crazy over the littlest bill. Yeah, they're a little wild, right? Little crazy. And he will be a wild man. Look, his hand will be against every man. <laughs> When you think of a Muslim, do you think his hands against every man? Hard to deny that, right? All right. There's some peaceful Muslims, but there's not a lot of them when you, look in the, when you look at the world, what's going on. His hand will be against every man, and every man's hand against him. Everybody's out to get him, he's out to get everybody. That's the truth. 
Look at this prophecy, though. And he shall dwell in the presence of all his brethren. So what I'm showing you through this family tree is that Abraham has two sons, Isaac and Ishmael. And it says there that he's going to be wild man. His hand's going to be against every man's hand. But he's going to dwell with his brethren, with Isaac's kids. His kids are going to dwell with Isaac's kids. When you look at this map, they're all together surrounding each other. Israel's right in the middle, and there's, there's a Muslim, there's Arabian, there's Arabian, there's Arabians, there's Arabians, there's Muslims. They're all, all of Ishmael's kids and all of Abraham's kids and all of Isaac's kids are all living together in that one little part of the world right there, just shoved in there. Just like they said would happen. Now, why am I showing you all this? Because what you have going on is you have a land agreement. God's done told Abraham, I'm going to give it to your seed, right? And this land is a land agreement. I'm going to give it to your seed. Well, which seed? Keep reading. Look at uh, Genesis chapter 17. Look at verse 1. And verse 1. Genesis 17, verse 1. And we'll just keep on reading. And when Abraham, or excuse me, Abram was 90 years old and 9, he's 99, the Lord appeared to Abram and said unto him, I am the Almighty God. Walk before me and be thou perfect. And I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thy, thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be called Abram, but, but thy name shall be Abraham. For a father of many nations have I made thee. And I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. All that came to pass, just like it says. Verse 7, And I will establish my covenant between me and thee and thy seed. After thee and their generations. Look, for an everlasting covenant. Oh, this covenant's everlasting. To be a God unto thee and to thy seed after thee. And I will give unto thee and to thy seed after thee the land wherein thou art a stranger. Look, all the land of Canaan for an everlasting possession. The Jew owns that land. Yeah. Now, here's the problem. He said, my seed, your seed, your seed. Well, Abram's got two seeds. You got the Muslims and the Arabians and you got the Jew. Who owns that land? Keep on reading down to verse 19. God straightens it out. And God said, Sarah, thy wife, shall bear thee a son indeed. And thou shalt call his name Isaac. Okay, here comes Isaac. Isaac comes in the picture. Now notice what God says. And I will establish my covenant with him. Not Ishmael. Look, with him, not Ishmael, for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. God's making that covenant with Isaac, not Ishmael. Look at verse 20. And as for Ishmael, see, he made the covenant with Isaac, not Ishmael. But as for Ishmael, I have heard thee. Behold, I have blessed him and will make him fruitful and will multiply him exceedingly. Twelve princes shall he beget and will make him a great nation. All that was fulfilled. All that happened. He is a great nation. Look at verse 21. But, but my covenant, that land covenant, that land agreement, will I establish with Isaac, not Ishmael, which Sarah shall bear unto thee at, that, at this set time in the next year. You know what that verse has just told you? God says, I picked you and I want you to have that land. You got two kids. I'm going to really, really bless him. And they're really, really blessed. Those Arabians are sitting over there with camels driving around in Rolls Royces. Amen. Driving around in Lamborghinis and Porsches and they got more money than we ever dreamed of. 
Then they get out and you know, go walk around in the dirt out there. Why is that? Oil. But God didn't. God come up here to this, this crossroads and he says, I pick Isaac. And then that's Jacob. And who came out of Jacob? The 12 tribes of Israel. The Jew owns that land because God gave it to him. I just showed you four or five verses right there. Look at Psalm 105. Look at Psalms 105. You say, how important are those verses? Well, you're looking at everything you're reading in the news today has to do with these verses right now. The Bible says, and I believe it's in Zechariah, that Israel will be a burdensome stone to all nations. You think, you think Israel was a burdensome stone to Obama? He, yeah, it most definitely was. Was it to Bush? Yes, it was. Was it to Clinton? Yes, yes, it was. Is it to Trump? Yes, it is. Israel's a, it's a little nation no bigger than Rhode Island, the state of Rhode Island. Who cares about that, God? And since God cares, everybody else in the world has to care. Because the Muslim says, that land belongs to me. And the Muslims don't want the Jew to have it. That's Iran, that's Iraq, that's Jordan, that's Syria, that's all of them. And they've tried to kill them over and over again. And God's hand comes in there and protects them. Amen. For 70 years. Now in World War II, we were in a big battle. And the U.S., uh, the, uh, excuse me, the British government had made a declaration in 1923 called the Belfort Declaration, 1916, and said the Jews need a place to call a homeland. We're going to give them back Israel because, see, Britain owned all that land. We're going to give them back that land, and we make a declaration they can go back to that land. Well, then a new prime minister came in right before World War II broke out. And the prime minister started cozying up to Hitler. And the second thing he did is he stopped allowing the Jews to go into that land. He broke that declaration. He said, only so many Jews can go into that land now. And I'm shutting it off, closing the borders. And if, if the Muslims want them to come in, they can allow them to come in. Well, guess what the Muslims said? <laughs> we don't want no more. Well, what happened? World War II broke out. What happened to the Jew in World War II? They had nowhere to go. And Hitler started rounding them up. They were trying to escape. Nobody would take them in. Nobody wanted to let them in. And, got, and Hitler rounded them up and killed them by the millions. And they begged to go back. And the British government wouldn't let them go back to that land. After they had made the agreement to let them go back. What did God do to, to, the, US, to the British government? Bombed them and bombed them. And by the time Hitler got done, the British government is a third-rate nation right now. It, it's all about America and Russia and China and the, the you know, British government's in there because we let them in there. God took them and wiped them out and said, I'm done with you. The sun never set on the British Empire until after World War II and God got done with them and it was done. Now, World War II, we had a president named FDR, pretty good president, but there's one thing bad about him. He didn't want to allow the Jew to go back to Israel. He didn't believe in making a nation. So at the end of World War II, before World War II was done, he was getting a portrait painted of himself while his adulteress, his mistress was sitting next to him. He was getting a painting of himself. 
FDR was. And his mistress was sitting in the room with him. His wife didn't know anything about it. He got up. Ah, God killed him right there. Well, there was a guy named Truman that happened to be the vice president. It had only been the vice president for maybe three months. All of a sudden, he's the president of the greatest nation in the world in one of the greatest wars, wars, wars we've ever known. One of the first decisions Truman had to make was to bomb Hiroshima. And all, with, he had to make that decision. Well, against all the counsel they gave him, and they fought him and fought him, he wanted to let Israel become a nation after World War II. And they counseled him not to do it. They said, if you do that, it'll nothing, be nothing but trouble. It'll be nothing but fighting and fighting and fighting. And guess what? They were right. <laughs> but God wanted them to become a nation. Amen. So Truman, against all the counsel, decided he was going to let Israel become a nation. But let me tell you, let me show you, let me read you something that happened. About that time, there was a guy in Fort Worth, Texas named J. Frank Norris. Anybody heard of J. Frank Norris? Crazy. Crazier than a peach archer boar. Baptist preacher. Even crazier than me. J. Frank Norris had a guy come into his office at, at, at his church and threaten him, and he pulled a gun out and shot and killed him right there. Killed him dead. Got away with it. <laughs> I don't carry a gun, praise the Lord. I don't want to do something stupid like that. Well... J. Frank Norris was really up on this stuff, and the president asked him to write him. And this is what J. Frank Norris wrote. Uh, he wrote, uh, First, I want to thank you for your very kind personal letter of August the 5th, which was of invaluable assistance in all my travels. I have given extensive study to the Jewish-Palestinian question. The issue is whether we will take the authority of the Bible... J. Frank Norris says, The question is whether we will take the authority of the Bible of our mothers... Happy Mother's Day. The Bible, the authority of the Bible of our mothers or the Quran with the sword and flame. In that whole controversy, the big issue is who owns the land, who has the title to that land. If that question is settled, there is no other question. Amen. He's right. You know what he goes on to do? The Lord God Almighty in Genesis chapter 17. Y'all just read it specifically states that the title to Palestine is given not to Ishmael, the ancestor of the Arabs, but to Isaac and his seed forever. You just read it with me. Now he goes on, he quotes it, he quotes 26, he quotes Genesis 28, he quotes Deuteronomy chapter 30, he goes on and quotes Psalms 105. Here's Psalms 105, read it with me. He hath, verse 8, he hath remembered his covenant forever. This isn't just for a couple of years. The word which he commanded to a thousand generations. What is that? Which covenant he made with Abraham and his oath to Isaac, not to Ishmael. His oath to Isaac, not to Ishmael. And he confirmed the saying unto Jacob for a law. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. I've got it written on the board. And to Israel for an everlasting covenant. This is the everlasting covenant. No conditions involved. Non-conditional. Verse 11, saying unto thee, will I give the land of Canaan the lot of your inheritance. That's what J. Frank Norris was quoting to President Truman. 13, uh, 1,300 years ago, the Arabs were usurpers. Muhammad with fire and sword, and they were robbers of property that belongs to the Jews. He's exactly right. That's what Muhammad did when he came in. Muhammad's always been a murderer and a killer. I don't care when they stand up and they give you the lie like, they give you a lie like, Muhammad was peaceful. He was a killer. He's always been a killer. Our Lord Jesus Christ, we sing praises to Him. We praise His holy name. He never picked up a sword. 
Now, there will be a day he will. He'll be on a white horse, king of kings and lord, O oh lord. And he's coming back to that land that belongs to his ancestors. And we're going to come back with him. This mandate was, now here we go. A second and very important authority, in addition to scriptural authority, Great Britain was given mandate over Palestine for the purpose of Jewish immigration into that land and for making it a national home. I just told you about that. This mandate was confirmed by the United States government and by the 57 nations of the League of Nations. The tragedy and cause of all the present trouble is that Navel Chamberlain, Prime Minister, put on a two-fold appeasement in 1939. I just told you all this. First with Hitler, and that brought on World War II, and then second with the Arabs, who were the allies of Hitler. Chamberlain violated the international law given that land as a national home for the Jews in 1939. I just, I just told you all about that. And said only 70,000 Jews would be permitted to go for the next five years, and after that, none except by the consent of the Arabs. But the mandate made no such restrictions. Therefore, the present Jewish immigration into Palestine is not illegal. It's legal. They were already given permission to do that. Based on the mandate given to Great Britain over Palestine and confirmed by the United States government and confirmed by the League of Nations, the Jews invested $650 million into Palestine, built cities, public works, and the curse of God Almighty is on every hand that violates this most solemn agreement that mandate three times over confirmed. God's going to curse you for breaking this agreement right here. Amen. And he did to Great Britain. Now, Mr. President, that's President Truman, it certainly is a matter that should cause us to stop and think that the Arab leaders from the Grand Muftah on down were allies of Hitler. That's true. And it, and it, it, it ill becomes them to come now into court with their hands dripping with the blood of the Jews, six million of them murdered by Hitler. We forget that. I interviewed many Arab leaders, and without question, I found that the whole crowd is for Stalin, just like they were formerly for Hitler. While this country was fighting Hitler, 30,000 young Jews from Palestine volunteered and went to battle. And it says not a single Arab regiment was found. If the Arabs and Jews in Palestine were left alone, they would get along and settle their troubles. Yeah, they would, because the Jew, the Jew would wipe them off the map. Amen, they would, with God's help. Russia is doing everything at her command to foment the trouble. This was written back in 1940. And this is 2018. That's like you're reading the front page of the newspaper. Amen. The time has come and long past when the United States should keep its promise and take a firm stand for law and order in that land that was given the world its Bible and its Savior. So Trump, Truman read that letter, and he had, some, he, he had a Jewish friend, and he decided to go against everything they were telling him and to tell the United Nations, we want Israel to have that land, and he voted for it against everybody. And they told him he was a fool to do it, and he voted for it in 1914. I mean, in May 14, 1948. They got their land back, just like God told them they were going to get it. Amen. Praise the Lord for that. He didn't have to do that. He didn't have to do that. Truman didn't have to do that. You know what happened a couple of months after that? They had an election. One of the most famous political pictures you can ever find. And it has Truman, and he's holding up this paper, and it says, Dewey wins. See, 
Truman went into the election. He wasn't very popular. Everybody said, he's going to lose. He's not going to get a vote. He's not going to win. He's not going to win. They thought he was going to lose so much that they printed the papers up front and had them ready to distribute that he was going to lose and Dewey was going to win. And God's hand was in it. And before you know it, there was Truman, not supposed to win, holding up the paper. I won. Now, we're looking at 2017. We got a lady that's running for president that hates the Jew, does nothing for Israel. Her whole administration with Obama and Kerry has done everything to throw the Jew under the bus. And here comes this idiot named Trump. I, I'm, a, I'm a Christian. I read my Bible every day. Number two Corinthians. He's not a Christian, but he loves the Jew. He loves the Jew. And above all odds, he won that election. He was not supposed to win. Did you ever, you should have, I wish I'd have been on my house when I turned over to MSNBC that night of the election when he lost, when he won and Hillary lost. You turn over to MSNB, it looked like there was a funeral going on. They had the whole crowd behind them and they're all like this. Looked like somebody, like all the, like the, like the dog had got ran over in the street or something. Then you turn over to Fox. You know, it's like, it's like flip, flip, flip. It was, I was enjoying it. You know, and the women laying on the street. Oh, she lost. Oh, the women just rolling out. Oh, crying and everything, you know. God's hand was in that because of Israel. God doesn't care about Trump. He's, he's, a big, he's a bigger crook as anybody else. Just like Hillary, just like all of them. And if you don't think I don't kick politicians, I kick them when they go against Israel and God's word. I kicked Bush for 15 years, George W. And boy, I caught some flack for it too. They said, Obama is the Antichrist. I said, George W. is a bigger Antichrist. He parted the land. And God said not to do that. I kicked him. Because when you mess with this book, you're messing with me. Amen. And that's why I kick him. Look at Isaiah 24. You know what God's going to do? He's telling you what he's going to do when you mess with this. <laughs> the Bible's real plain. Look at Isaiah chapter 24. This is the whole reason. This is one of the whole reasons God's going to come down and, and bring his wrath out on mankind. In the tribulation period, in Revelation. Because of this right here. People don't get it. They think God's just messing around. They think that uh, it doesn't make no difference. God doesn't care about that. God's done away with the Jew. God doesn't care about Israel. You're crazy. You don't know your word. Either he cares about Israel or God's a liar. And he's not a liar. Not as far as I've caught him. For 4,000 years he's been telling the truth. Right on the money. Has a nation ever been born at once? No, except for one, Zion, Israel. I read it to you, Isaiah 66. Now look at Isaiah 24, though. Look up at verse 3. The land shall be utterly emptied, utterly spoiled, for the Lord hath spoken his word, this word. The earth mourneth and fadeth away. The world languisheth and fadeth away. The haughty people of the earth do languish. Uh-oh, there's all kinds of problems with the earth. The earth also is defiled under the inhabitants thereof. Why? Because they have transgressed the laws, that's the Ten Commandments, changed the ordinance, changing how things are run. Look at this. Broken the everlasting covenant. I just read what the everlasting covenant is to you over and over. And oh, what is the everlasting covenant? That land agreement. 
I just read to you in Psalm 105. Some of y'all might still be doubting me. Look at Joel. Turn to Ezekiel, Daniel. Look at Ezekiel, Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Joel. You got to read this with me. If you're reading any of it, read this. Because I don't think maybe you're, maybe you're doubting it. If you can find Ezekiel, that's a pretty good big, big book of the Bible. The next book is Daniel, Hosea, Joel, Joel. Look at Joel chapter 3. Excuse me, I'll give you a couple of seconds to find it. I get, I've, I've, get, I've been getting in trouble lately for turning to the scriptures too fast. Amen. <laughs> I apologize, but they only give me a little bit of time and I've got to run, you know. Joel chapter 3. For behold, in those days and in that time when I shall bring again the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem. Is the captivity of Judah and Jerusalem coming back to Israel? Yes, they are. It started happening in 1948 and before then. Look at verse 2. I will also gather all nations. That's America included. The United Nations. I will gather all nations and bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. That's right there. That means Jehoshaphat means Jehovah hath judged. Jehoshaphat. That means Jehovah hath judged. That's a battle of Armageddon. That's a valley of Megiddo. See, the whole script, the whole context of chapter 3 is Armageddon. Look at verse 10. Skip down to verse 10. Beat your plowshares into swords and your pruning hooks into spears. Let the weak say, I'm strong. Assemble yourselves. Come all ye heathen and gather yourselves together round about. Thither cause the mighty ones to come down, O Lord. Let the heathen be wakened and come up to the valley of Jehoshaphat. Look, for, they will, for there will I sit to judge all the heathen round about. That's God bringing down the battle of Armageddon. See verse 13? Put ye in the sickle. Were y'all in Sunday school with me? You remember that in Sunday school? Put ye in the sickle, for the harvest is ripe. Come, get you down, for the press is full, the fats overflow, for the wickedness is great. Multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision, for the day of the Lord is nearer the valley of decision. That's Armageddon. The sun and the moon shall be darkened, and the stars shall draw, draw their shining, withdraw their shining. That's, a, that's tribulation period. Look at verse 16. The Lord also shall roar out of Zion and utter his voice from Jerusalem and the heavens and the earth shall shake. Guys, that's not, that's not love. That's God's wrath. That's Jesus Christ roaring out of Jerusalem like a lion. There's no more lamb on a cross. This is the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings, Lord of lords. Coming in to whip everybody, to kill them. We read it and studied it in Sunday school. Now go back up to verse 2. I will also gather all nations. We'll bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat. And we'll plead with them for my people and for my heritage Israel. What is he going to plead about? Whom they have scattered among the nations. Look. And parted my land. He brings them in there because they've been messing with the land. They parted my land. That land, doesn't, that land belongs to the Jew because it belongs to God. It don't belong to me. It don't belong to a Christian, the Southern Baptist Convention, the Catholic Church, or the Muslims. It belongs to God. And God says, this is my land. I'm giving it to you. He says, in, he says here in Leviticus, The land shall not be sold forever, for the land is mine. For ye are strangers and sojourners with me. Another place in, De in Deuteronomy, he says, A land which the Lord thy God cared for, the eyes of the Lord thy God are always upon it. 
from the beginning of the year even until the end of the year. God's always got his eye right there. And he said, they parted my land. You know when they parted their land? Bush and Condoleezza Rice parted it with Sharon. Britt Tower, he wrote an article to the, the newspaper in the Brownwood Bulletin back in 2005. And he wrote an article. And he said, the, the Bible is a lot of things. The Bible is a lot of things. He said, Sharon, according to Robertson's Gospel, should not divide God's land. He said, the Bible is a lot of things, but it is not a book of land deeds. This is supposed to be a Southern Baptist missionary to China. He says, the Bible's a lot of things, but it's not a book of land deeds. What have I been reading to you for about 45 minutes? What have I been reading to you? I, so I couldn't take the idiot anymore, so I wrote a letter back to the editor. Mr. Britt Towery has a lot to say about the Bible. How well does he know the Bible that he talks about? Mr. Towery wrote in February 17th article, The Bible's a lot of things, but not a book of land deeds. No, Mr. Towery, it's a book of one land deed. The deed or covenant God has made with the Jew concerning Israel. I got so stirred up and I started quoting scripture and they put every one of them in there. Genesis 15, Psalm 105. They printed every one of these in there like I was some kind of crazy nut. In your article, you mentioned Armageddon. This land is mentioned as the reason God draws all nations together in the valley at Armageddon. And I quote Isaiah, Joel chapter 3, Isaiah, I give them all the verses. The God of the Bible puts a heavy interest in the land of Israel. He, consider, he considers Israel his land. The Jews his people. When Bush, Sharon, Rice, United Nations, the Arab League, or anyone else gives away the land of Israel for peace, they are going against God's will from the Bible. As for me, I'll take God's side every time. That's what I wrote. And they can take it, and I don't care what they do with it. It's the truth. And I waited and waited and waited, and he not one time, he didn't respond to me one time. I waited for him to respond to me. Not one time. What's he going to respond with? He can't respond with nothing but his opinion because the Bible goes against his opinion. This isn't my opinion, friends. This is the opinion of the Word of God. You've got to grab a hold of the Word of God and understand God's mad because somebody's messing with that land. And this has been going on for years and years and years, and God's getting about it right up to here with it. And we read about it in Sunday school. He got right up to here with it, and God says, The fury, my fury, has come up into my face. And my wrath, is jealousy is going to come. He's getting mad about it. And he says that he brings them down in there. He gathers all nations because they parted my land. Go back to Daniel real quick. Just come back to, left, to the left in your Bible to Daniel chapter 11. Oh, everybody loves the Antichrist. I want to know more about the Antichrist. Well, let me show you something about the Antichrist. Daniel chapter 11, verse 39. Daniel chapter 11, verse 39. Here's something you need to know about the Antichrist. Here's in verse 39. Daniel 11, verse 39. Thus shall he do in the most strongholds. Talking about the Antichrist. With a strange God. That's Allah. The Antichrist, I think, is going to be associated with Allah. That's not your God. You, that's a moon God. That's, you gotta, your God is Jehovah. And Jehovah saves. That's Jesus. Jesus, Jehovah. Jesus saves. Jehovah saves. My Jehovah saves. And he can save you. And he can save a Muslim. And he can, amen. That's what he does. That's what he's good for. That's why I love him. That's why I preach him. Because he did show me that love. But you don't want to be on the other side, see. So we get so caught up, and I can be bad about it too. We want to preach about God's love. We want to preach about God's love. We want to preach about God's love until we turn into a Joe Olstein. 
Well, it's nothing but God's love and God's care and God treats you like a little butterfly and, you know, all this other stuff. But you forget to mention God gets angry and God's going to judge you. And there's a payday someday. And the Antichrist says here, it says about the Antichrist, whom he shall acknowledge and increase with glory. And look, he shall cause them to rule over many and shall divide the land for gain. Right up in there. So when I said Bush was a bigger antichrist than Obama, I had scripture to back up what I was saying. Because Bush and Condoleezza Rice went in there and they divided the land up. And old Sharon, he kicked the bucket. He was one of the leaders for Israel. He kicked the bucket. I think God just said, I'm done with you. Benjamin Netanyahu's been running it pretty good as far as I'm concerned. He's pro-Israel. And they've tried to get him out of there. They've tried to say he's corrupt. And he might be corrupt, but he, he, he believes that God is over that land. The, the Antichrist is going to divide it. Now, let me show you one more scripture before we get out of here. We're running long. Look at 2 Chronicles. Way back. 2 Chronicles 36. Who's reading 2 Chronicles? 2 Chronicles chapter 36. If you're reading through your Bible like I've been trying to read, I'm in 1 Chronicles going through 2 Chronicles. That is the most boring book of the Bible. That is torture. Have y'all read that? Nothing but names after name after name after name. And you're reading through there and you're like, oh, please, Lord God, get me out of this, you know. But it's His Word. Now, this uh, Hebrew Bible, and I thought I had one up here. I'm going to show you something, my brother, that a lot of y'all might not know. 2 Chronicles chapter 36, and uh, look, at verse, uh, look at verse 14. We're going to stay here for a couple more minutes. Here's something you need to know about a Hebrew Bible. The Hebrew Bible is just like your Old Testament. It don't have the New Testament, it's just the Old Testament. And it has all the same books of the Bible, just like yours. The only difference is, is the order has been changed. The order's changed in yours. Your last book of the Old Testament is Malachi. Their last book of the Old Testament is 2 Chronicles chapter 36, what you're reading right there. And of course, they read right to left. They read right to left. We read left to right, right? If you're over in Japan and China, you read right to left, right? Y'all know that? Oh, you might not know that, but that's true. You read right to left in China. If you're on this side of Jerusalem, you read left to right. See how it all points back to Jerusalem? But the last book of their Bible, which they read right to left, they're right there, it comes right in here, and it says 2 Chronicles 36, and this is what you're reading. Now for time's sake, verse 15, let's go verse 15. And the Lord God of their fathers sent to them by his messengers, rising up be times, that's many times, and sending be, be, because he had compassion on his people and on his dwelling place. God was putting up with them. But they mocked the messengers of God. Sounds like modern day America. And despised his words, modern day America. And misused his prophets. Until the wrath of the Lord arose against his people till there was no remedy. I could preach that. Verse 17, therefore he brought upon the king, them the king of the Chaldeas, that's Nebuchadnezzar. He slew their young men with the sword in the house of the sanctuary and had no compassion upon young man or maiden, old man or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hands. 
So he brought in Nebuchadnezzar. That happened. That's what you're reading about in Ezekiel and Daniel. That's when Nebuchadnezzar comes in. Destroys Jerusalem. Just wiped them off the map. Okay, Destroyed the temple. Took all that stuff back. And that's what you read about that's going on in the book of Daniel and Jeremiah. So skip down to verse 20. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, where they were servants to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. So here's what happened. Whenever they got back over into Babylon, they were there for 70 years. And after 70 years, Jeremiah got the word that, hey, after 70 years, I'm going to let you go back to the land. And King Cyrus is going to proclaim, I want them all to go back to the land of Israel. And they all went back to the land of Israel. And that's where they were when Jesus Christ showed up. They were back in the land. But before then, they had to wait 70 years in Babylon, which is to the right of that map right there. And they were in there for 70 years. But why were they there for 70 years? Look at verse 21. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah until the land, look, the land had enjoyed her Sabbath. For as long as they, she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. Here's what was happening. God says, every seven years I want you to let that land rest. It's my land, I'm giving it to you, but every seven years you let that land rest. Well, they let it go, and they let it go, and they let it go, and evidently they let it go 70 years. 70 times 7 equals, what, 490? They let it go for 70 times. Seven years. Every seven years, God said one. Another seven years, two. They let that go for 490. Until God had enough of it. Look, that's why he did it. Until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths, for as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. God says, I care so much about that land. You're not letting that land rest. Now that you've, I've got enough of it, I'm going to run you off the land so it can rest for 70 years. And then when, that, when they catch back up, I'll let you come back on it. It was all about a piece of dirt. <laughs> Peter says to Jesus, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother? Seven times? And Jesus said, nay, I tell you to you, 70 times seven times. God has a reason for everything he says in that book. So he brings them back. All, and then he kicked, God kicked them off that land all because of they wouldn't let that dirt rest. You don't think God doesn't care about that piece of dirt? You're crazier than a peach archer boar. Verse 22. Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord spoken by the mouth of Jeremiah might be accomplished, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it into writing, saying, Thus, thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, All the kingdoms of the earth hath the Lord God of heaven given me. And he had, and he has charged me to build him a house in Jerusalem, which is in Judea, who is there among you of all his people? The Lord his God be with him. Look, and let him go up. The very last words in the Hebrew Bible tells a Jew to do this. Go up. Go up. Go back to your land. Go back to your land. Go up. You know why God let Trump win that election? It don't have nothing to do with the economy. Don't have nothing to do with that. This is what Trump said in 2017. I make this promise to you. Trump said, my administration will always stand with Israel. And he has. He moved the embassy from Tel Aviv to Jerusalem. And every country was against him doing that. Germany, Turkey, France, you name them. They said, Britain, UK, don't do it. And he did it. Amen. Praise God he did it. You know why? 
That's good for you because you live in America. And when God, when, a, when America blesses Israel, God's going to bless America. And he'll bless you. You're living in America. Praise the Lord. You can be thankful for that. I'm going to close by showing you this. I just read to you that. Cyrus, he made the proclamation. Tell him to go back up. In Jerusalem, there's, a, there, there's, there's called this the Sanhedrin. They have a, let's see, let me see who this is. This is Sanhedrin, it's a, the Mikdash Educational Center and the Temple in Zion Educational Organizations. They minted, they minted this coin and they put a coin that has Trump's face on it. And it has Cyrus, Cyrus there, the, the King Cyrus, has his face on it, has Trump's face on it. And it says, in honor and praise of Israel's 7th and Independence Day, which is tomorrow, they've minted this coin. This declaration took place exactly 70 years after the people of Israel were sent to, into exile. You just read it. The prophet Jeremiah promised that the passing of 70 years, I'll bring you back to your place. This coin expresses our joy and gratitude that the American embassy will be transferred to Jerusalem in honor of Israel's Independence Day. It is the fulfillment of the Trump Declaration recognizing, recognizing the centrality of Jerusalem as the capital of the state of Israel. Guys... I know y'all think I'm half crazy sometimes, but if you believe in anything, you believe that book, and I'm showing you verse after verse that this book says God gave this land to the Jew, and you better not mess with them. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, thank you. Thank you for your words. We're not out here, Lord, and wondering what's going on. We know what's going on. We can read your word and see it day by day, Father. And Lord, what this means to us, fathers, is you're just that much closer to coming and getting us out of this wicked world. And we can't wait. We can't wait, Lord. Just like the sweet sister sang that song, Lord. We can't wait to see you face to face. We want to be up in heaven and praise you and sing glory, praise songs to you, Lord. We want to get down on our knees and kiss your feet, Father. We can't wait to see Jesus Christ face to face. And Father, if there's somebody beneath the sound of my voice that doesn't know Jesus Christ, as we give the invitation, Lord, that be, you'll lay it on their heart through the Holy Spirit. They need to come on down and get saved. And I'm praying all this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head, knowing I'm a sinner, and asked Him to save me, and He did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon Him.